You're listening to Social Media Storytelling. We have Jason Hewlett here on today's episode. I brought Jason on because he's been a speaker for 20 plus years, right, Jason? That's correct, Devin, yes. And you can tell by my gray beard and gray hair that I've been speaking for over 20 years. So, you know what's crazy, though? You still look super young, even though like you have the gray. I don't know what you're doing, but we need your technique and secrets. It's just this. It's the face thing. That's what it's got to be. But I brought him on just because he's been a speaker for so long and we're talking about social media today. So like his social media journey and also why he became a speaker and kind of just walking through that. So Jason, just to start us off, could you give us a background who you are and then could you walk us through our journey, your journey of becoming a speaker and where you're at today? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And I, I love what you're doing and thanks for uh, inspiring speakers all around the world. That's what this is about. I love it. So I started my journey Essentially, in third grade, man, I found out I could make people laugh, and that was a big deal. Eventually, I made my way as a missionary to Brazil when I was 19 until I was 21, and I realized funny doesn't just have to be what you say. It can also be what you do. And I was able to make people laugh in a different language, in a different part of the world, and it opened doors for my opportunities as a missionary to help people to learn about what I was teaching. And so that was really how this began for me was to say, third grade, I found out I was funny and people loved to laugh. And then by the adult years, I realized I can do this anywhere in the world and make people laugh and make them think. And so mixed in there in the middle of that high school, I found out I could sing music that became a huge part for me as well. And so I only share all of that because once I started into life as an adult, And I didn't end up going to college. I just went right to Las Vegas. I started my career as a musical impersonator. And so I was an Elton John impersonator for a show called The Legends in Concert in Las Vegas. And that was a really interesting way to get started in showbiz was essentially hitting the top right away because the top impersonators in the world, Elvis, and Madonna, Cher, you name it, the people that look and sound like those people, that's where they would end up at the pinnacle of their career. And so that's where I began my career as an Elton John impersonator. And eventually I realized, you know what, this is fun, but I can do lots of voices. I could do Alvin and the Chipmunks, and I could do the Bee Gees, and I could do uh, Journey and Louis Armstrong and Michael Jackson and all these other characters. I didn't want to just be pigeonholed as one. So I put together a one-man show of musical comedy impressions that families could enjoy together, a G-rated family-friendly experience. And after a decade of wearing my voice to shreds, literally, and doing Metallica and Led Zeppelin and Bruce Springsteen and ripping my vocal cords up and hurting my body physically, I decided I need to make a change. And so I went into keynote speaking. And that was really my original intention as a kid. I saw a speaker when I was in school and saw someone do an assembly at my school who was a motivational speaker. He made us laugh. He made us cry. He did some singing. His name is Dan Clark. Dan Clark is a legend in the speaking industry, and he actually is my friend and has been a mentor to me. And so I'm grateful for him inspiring me when I was in school. And so I said to myself, someday I want to do that. And eventually, Devin, I got to the point where I could. And I put together a a speech that has evolved over time. It's now called The Promise. 
and I have written a book called The Promise to the One. And I have made my living now on stage for over 20 years, including a recession, including a pandemic, going virtual, and still hanging around. So that is it in a nutshell. Did that work for you? Yeah, that's perfect. I think uh, it's funny because when I think about you, you have the, not an unfair advantage, but you have an advantage over everybody else. First, you're a comedian. Second, you can sing. Third, you can do those facial expressions. By the way, if you're a speaker, if you have those, like definitely use them, but you don't need them. I've seen a, a bunch of different speaking styles. And right before we were talking, right before the podcast started, you asked uh, your clients that are speakers, are they like from NSA or they're, they're speakers? What is the difference between someone that's in NSA and someone that's wanting to become a speaker? Like what does NSA do to like make you become a professional speaker, I guess is how I'd say it. Yeah, great question. The National Speakers Association, which has the acronym of NSA, which is tricky for people because the National Security Agency as well. <laughs> but NSA is a really important place to to join just because I like to associate with people that are trying to do the same thing I'm doing. They can help me to probably skip a few steps. And it's wonderful to network with people that you're trying to be like or that you, you see do something well and you say, I wish I could do that. And so that's how NSA has really benefited me is to just rub shoulders with people that are way better than me at speaking in the first place and have helped to lift me to a new place and level that I couldn't have gotten to alone. And so it really becomes this place where you find your people. And if you're a speaker or aspiring to be, I'd say the NSA is very important, as is Toastmasters, where you can go and practice giving speeches and they critique it. And there are other places like that. A, a fellow named Grant Baldwin has a great following as well and helping people understand how to become great speakers. And so there are wonderful opportunities out there. I do want to give a plug, though, Devin, yeah. to, the, to the thing you did say. I do have an unfair advantage in terms of my entertainment capability. As a guy who can sing and do comedy and all the faces I do, that is an entertaining advantage that I have. Where it's been a disadvantage is that majority of event planners and meeting professionals are not looking for that necessarily for a keynote speaker. They're looking for content. They're looking to move the needle they're looking to bring somebody in who really knows their stuff as an expert. Mm -hmm. And so I have had, yes, the advantage in the comedy and the music side of things. It's also been a disadvantage because I'm so good at it. It's been a hard thing to find out what my content is and how to convince any client that there is content there. And so that's where you come in. And that's where making videos and doing stuff on social media has really helped me drive the message home that yeah, I'm entertaining on stage, but there's a real powerful content message there. So anyone who's watching or listening and thinking to themselves, gosh, I can't sing. I'm not a comedian. I can't do any of those things. Don't worry about it. Be good at what you've got. Do you. Be the best you you can be because I'm telling you, that's what I teach people is I say, hey, look, I can do all these funny things that other people can do, but I need to help you understand that you have yours too. I call it a signature move. And if we don't grasp that in ourselves, we'll never be able to share authentically what it is that truly makes us uniquely the great leader we can be and speaker we should be. So there's a few things I want to touch on, stories. So the first one was NSA, and you mentioned the National Security Association. So when uh, when Mike signed up, I put in our channel, I'm like, hey, Mike Sabers, he's a chairman, 
on the NSA, Josh Terry, your account manager is like, NSA, what? Because he didn't know NSA's National Speakers Association. So he's like all intimidated, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really scary. Like, no, 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 National Speakers Association. And then second, you were talking about just like the networking that you get inside of the NSA. I think the cool thing about the NSA is not only do they help you become better speakers, but they help you become better people. Everybody that I've spoken to in the NSA has like really, they're people that I want to become. I don't want to, I'm not, my aspirations aren't to become a speaker, but they are just good people. Like they always ask, how can I help you in any way? How can I help you become a better human being? Who can I help you network with? It's just a, it's a really cool environment that I really haven't seen anywhere else. And that was just the mountain chapter West in Utah. So I can't imagine other associations around the country, which is really cool to be a part of. And then going into social media, how you mentioned videos, can you walk us through your journey up until now when you first started on social media? What were your goals? What were you seeing? And then to currently, what are you seeing now? And how, how has it helped you with your deals or landing gigs? Just going through that. You know, social media for me is a necessary evil in terms of, I just wish I could get on stage and perform and that's it. That would be a neat thing for me. And so then social media comes along because I've already been at my career for, a, would say, a decade before social media became necessary or even a thing to deal with. I mean, I go back to the days where even some of your viewers and listeners would have no idea what a VHS video is. But I used to have copies of those and have to mail them to my potential clients hoping they would open my mail that I sent them and put it in a VCR and watch it. I mean, I go back to VHS days and then DVDs. Those are those round things that spin, right? (laughs) So like, that's how far back this goes. Doing cold calls through yellow pages and a phone book. I mean, that's me. And yet morphing into this social media realm, which has been so challenging. And yet it's been also exciting. You know, YouTube came along and started to show us that videos were quite essential. And then we have Facebook and and then all of a sudden there's Instagram and and now LinkedIn is this business type hybrid place where you can post stories and videos and photos. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to keep up over here. So I really found first that Facebook for me was the easiest place because lots of people wanted to connect there. And I I just kind of would post whatever I wanted to post and eventually realized people were watching and listening. And that was a wild experience to be anywhere with my family and people would either, you know, I, I got to a point where people would recognize me just because they'd seen me on stage. But then to have people recognize me because they saw me online, whoa, that yeah. was crazy, right? So I had to be careful with what I was posting, not not saying too much or be too opinionated. Eventually, I found out, Devin, that yeah, if you want to have a following, you need to be opinionated. You need to go to a, a certain place of standing for something because if you don't, you fall for everything, right? And so I've been balancing that, that line for a, a long time now, trying to make sure that I'm posting the right things that are things that I want out there in the world. Mm-hmm. My real intention on social media is to spread joy. And I have found that there's so much of not joy out there that it needs a voice. And so a majority of everything I post always is going to be uplifting. It will make people laugh. It will make you think. It will make you strive. And I do also want to be like the NSA people you were talking about, the other speakers I get to associate with. Mm -hmm. They push me to be better because their social media is impressive. 
And at the same time, we need to share stuff that's vulnerable and authentic so that doesn't just look like life is perfect. So sharing the warts, sharing the failures, sharing that which isn't working out. That was a huge thing for me during the pandemic and the quarantining of COVID-19 to share, this is hard. This is what we're doing. These are the solutions we have control over. And so social media, my journey, I, I mean, hey, I had a decent amount of friends at first with Facebook. And then I did a big event for a direct sales company, which in this state of Utah, pretty much everyone is a direct sales company person. Like they have uh, some kind of tie to selling oils or, you know, shampoo or health supplement. And this company was called Unique. And Unique does the online tutorials where women will come on and paint their face in the morning and do like a full hour online showing how you contour and do this stuff. And I did their event a couple of years in a row where I was the keynote speaker, also their master ceremonies. And I'm telling you, I accepted all their friend requests. Nice. <laughs> and so that became a thing where when I posted something about my wife one time in 2015, if we can go all the way back there, yeah. that went viral for my first viral moment. And that was seen by over 100 million people. And wow. it was a top headline story around the world. And I just made this funny line where I said, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I think I cheated on my wife today with my <laughs> wife. Let me explain. And the whole world went bonkers over this post. So my first post that ever went anywhere was a just a written, no video. Yeah. And I'm a, I became a very good writer of content. And that actually kept me away from video for quite a while because I'm better on stage than video. I'm better at writing than video. Until you find the right editor. Until you are able to figure out how to tell the story with the great videos you probably already have. And so that's where a company like you, you know, what you've got going on with story comes into play in a huge way in my world. Because for years, we've been trying to figure out as we've gone into Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, all these places. And I still feel like an old guy trying to figure it out. How do I create stories that actually make it so that people want to listen? And how can I capture their attention on a scroll while they're scrolling and they only have like, I have maybe three seconds to capture them. This has been, this has been our intention to try to make it so that people will watch and will hopefully book. And yes, it does lead to events, but I have not found that it's immediate. I have found that having a huge reach in terms of posting as much as possible allows us more opportunity to be seen and found. So a couple of really interesting things I want to talk about. The first thing was your opinions. And um, being as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you had a video that talked about your religion and the temple. And that was one of your most engaged videos. I think it might still be of like the month or the quarter, which is really cool. I didn't see any comments. I know you had a story about it. I didn't see any rude comments. I thought I saw a lot of support, which is really cool. And I think like we got to be our individual selves if we try to be like everybody else. Nobody's going to watch our stuff because we're like everybody else. So what makes us different? And then second, you talked about it. Does, you don't see immediate results. So this is the interesting about social media. Social media is a branding game. So you could do lead generation, paid ads. You could buy your audience. But what Jason has done since he started social media, he owns his audience. 
he's not paying for lead generation. So he actually owns the people that are following him, the people that like his page, the people that are friends with him, because he started to develop this personal brand for Jason Hewlett. Now he has this whole audience that he could call if he wanted to, to see if they need any gigs. It just makes it easier for the introduction. So I thought it was interesting that you said, yeah, it's not immediate, but that's how social media works. So people get in, they hope by month two, they'll get all of these leads, whatever industry you're in, that's just not how it works. You got to develop your personal brand over a year or a few years to really get people invested in you. So I thought that was cool. What's your, uh, what's your coolest story? I, and your wife's story is really cool, the social media, but like landing a gig wise or getting an opportunity, what's your coolest story from your social media videos if you have anything? Oh man, that's a cool question. Uh... I mean, gosh, I've had, I've had things where people come out of the woodwork and I never would have thought that they wanted anything from me otherwise. Right. And so I write, I've written a weekly blog and haven't missed for a decade. Mm -hmm. And I maybe get two comments on average on that every, every blog post for a decade. And a lot of times you're just like, why am I still writing? I don't know if anyone's reading except for my mom. And the reason I have two comments is because I, I respond to her comment. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, when it comes to actual videos or posts, yeah, there have been people that have reached out and said, hey, I just saw your post about the event that you did you know, last week or last month. And it really is exactly what we need to have here at our workplace. Or hey, I saw that book review that you did about your friend. And then I noticed you did all these other book reviews too. We would like to have you come in as somebody who is an encourager of other people and can help us to become better encouragers of each other. I mean, just the fact, Evan, that I do posts about other people, which I often do, and I make them the star of the post. That's not like, that's not just some kind of tactic. I mean, like I'm I'm doing that because I believe in them. I like them. I want them to succeed. And it does come back, you know, many fold to me. And so I found that that's been amazing. And then, uh, yeah, there there have been some videos that have been pretty wildly successful. And I, I did a, I did what's called a dry bar comedy special. And dry bar comedy is really the family-friendly answer to Netflix comedy specials that you can't watch with your family. And so the Harmon brothers put this together, this dry bar comedy with a bunch of comedians that could do clean performances and that would be shorter than a Netflix special. So less than 40 minutes generally. And they asked me to come on season one. Devin, I don't even consider myself a real comedian because I, I'm an entertainer. I'd speak. I do all this other stuff. I'm not like a true stand up and tell jokes comedy guy. I'm doing like wacky parodies and it's almost like weird al and jim carrey had a baby and so that's what i'm doing in my presentation called father time and the videos that have been hitting the very best i would say outside of the the one about being uh, my faith was the videos of just taking the footage from the dry bar comedy special which we've received permission from them to do and then we repost it edited quicker emojis, captions, music, alter it a little bit so that it's like TikTok ready is what we call it. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's gotten a lot of people saying, hey, we should have him for our event. And it's actually reopened for me, the entertainment side of things, which I had put off to the side for years while I focused building the keynote speaking again. And I 
I enjoy doing the show when it's the right audience, the right opportunity. And that's actually helped quite a bit with posting those. Wow. That's really interesting. That's really cool too, to see where that's come from. Were there any doubts before you started getting on social media? Like, like you talked about your blog, you're getting two comments. Was there ever a time where you're like, okay, this is just worthless. I'm, I'm going to stop doing social media because I've heard so many stories where people just stop. If they would have kept going, they would have seen the results. But I don't know if you've ever faced that. Oh, sure, man. I mean, I had friends that were going viral posting really stupid stuff. And I was like, what is the deal? Why does everyone like their stuff? And you get into this weird space, which I don't live in in general, you know, like in real life. I don't look out my window and go, I wish I had that. Like, I just don't live that way. And yet social media allows us to voyeuristically look at other people's lives and go, man, why am I not succeeding as fast? Mm -hmm. Or why can I not do it as well? Or why are people going after them when they should be after me? I mean, it's a weird space. And so I would say I've never said I'm going to quit social media. But yes, I've said I need to back off. I used to post daily. And we did that for years and hardly got anywhere, you know, in terms of like more followers or more likes or more comments. And then eventually I got to the point where I said, you know, what is the point of doing this? If the point of doing this is having an influence and spreading joy, then it doesn't matter what the result is. And if the point is to hopefully have eyes from the right people, not all the people, I want the right people to see my post. And I think that a lot of times we negate, there are two words in social media. (laughs) Media is just half of it. Social is the other part. And when I became more social on social media, that means liking, commenting, sharing other people's posts. Mm -hmm. That's when things really have ramped up for me. And then you get, obviously, in other people's algorithms, there's other science to it. But I have found so much more love from people when I engage with their posts and then you know, they want to help me too. That's really cool. And I think there's one thing that you mentioned, it was going viral. And I think we, we all do it. We have the wrong mindset when we start social media and it's, how can I go viral? But there's this presentation that I do and I, I pull up a picture of a person doing a cinnamon challenge. I say, okay, who here knows this person? Everybody raises their hand. And I say, okay, who's this person? No idea, but it's a cinnamon challenge. So they know the challenge, but they don't know the person that did it, right? So if you're going viral for the wrong reasons, then you're not really owning your audience. And I think like Jason, it's really cool because you have viral videos that like should be going viral, but you also have those videos that don't go viral. And that's good too, because you're reaching your target audience. Would you rather have a thousand people that know you or a million people that just know you because you're doing the cinema challenge, right? So I think it's, it's cool that you keep doing it and you're consistently doing it because it's the mindset really of how can I, why am I doing this? What effects am I having for people? And just going through that. So we usually end at about 30 minutes. We're, we're running a little bit out of time. Is there anything that you want to leave with our audience before we end and then we'll throw your social media channels up? I would just say and encourage anyone who's discouraged to ask yourself why you're discouraged. Mm-hmm. And if it is because of comments or it is because of likes or it is because of lack of opportunities, then ask yourself why you're doing it anyway. And then ask yourself, what is my problem And how can I fix it? What do I have control over? We only have control over that which we create and put out there and the intention for which we're willing to share it. Mm -hmm. 
And so I say to myself, anytime I get into that weird shame spiral or into that weird space of feeling I'm not keeping up with everybody else, I just say, hold on. Just because two people read uh, my blog according to the comments doesn't mean that there weren't a lot of other people that possibly saw it too. And probably a lot more people saw my video than posted a comment because I know when I watch YouTube, I don't know the last time I took the time to comment. And that actually then makes me sign in and then I go and I like and I comment. (laughs) And so just living the principles of which we wish were happening to us better whether that's commenting, posting, liking with, uh, you know, on other people's posts or just being willing to live it and asking ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I care about the results? Because if you're a true artist, I think if you're a real speaker, you would do it for free. You, you have to get paid to travel. <laughs> yeah. You are a true artist who's willing to go out and do it just because God put it in you and you cannot not share it. And so if that's the intention the audience will show up. And I believe that and hope that if I can give anyone that that courage that you might need, and I, I call it oftentimes the promise to fail. The more you post, the more you're going to fail. And failing frequently is necessary for success. The more I post, the closer I'm getting to that successful place where I say, oh, this is working for the people that need it. That's awesome. Okay, well, we're going to throw your channels up here. Um, thanks for being on today's episode. I thought it was really fun. If you're a speaker or uh, contemplating if you should become a speaker, definitely listen to this episode. There's a lot of good information you can take from here. Um, So thanks again, Jason, for hopping on. And that's the end of this episode. Thanks for having me. Well done on all you're doing, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For all things social media, visit us online at story.co. We'll see you next time.